We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Grinders, NFL Food for Thought, we're back another week in the books, closing the door on week 14, and we're heading right into week 15, I'm the Looch, I'm here with the Chief, Will, Priester, we might have to tuck our tail between our legs and talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, tell me about it, uh, we'll, we'll get there, uh, once again, man, you know, the NFL full of controversy and uh, things can be flipped on its ugly head fairly quickly. So uh, it's, it's going to be an, an interesting part. I'm, I'm tapering uh, my excitement a bit until we get into the meat and potatoes of this thing. But what a week of football. Um you know, I, I think I think the overarching thing for me is we saw some teams this week that, in my opinion, had to have it, and they didn't go get it. And wow, like that's to, to me that's that's the overarching theme, and I feel like that's been the theme of the season, Luke. Right? Like every week we have these spots where a team has to have it. It's like this: you, you got to get this game. And they just, it just does not materialize. And so um, it, it's it, it's going to be interesting. Um, and, and I think we've seen, I mean, once again, like I said, the whole weekend. Obviously, the, a lot of good teams won football games, but a lot of other teams, and I'm talking about the have-to-have-it teams, didn't do what they were supposed to do to put a tick mark in the W column and it's, it's going to screw up their season. Yeah. Uh, one team that did was the bills and the jets played them tough and it was a pretty ugly AFC East divisional game. And that's one of my elephants in the room is that the jets can hang. The jets can hang. Mike white's not perfect, but he's something right. So he's a, he's a leg up from whatever Zach Wilson offered and the jets can hang. I mean, they need, they need some variance to probably go on a little bit of a run if they get in. 
But, um, you know, my takeaway is the Bills are winning ugly football games. You know, they're finding ways to win. If this was a 500 team, a darling team, if the Bills were the Detroit Lions, everyone would be saying, well, they're just finding ways to win. And they wouldn't be nitpicking on just putting 20 points against the Jets. So I think the Bills are doing what they have to do, discovering this run game a little bit, a little bit of balance. The defense is, uh, you know, a little bit healthier, which Davius White back in the fold. So uh, those are kind of my takeaways from that game is that it was competitive. It was competitive. Um, the Jets are real close to being a dangerous football team. I don't know if it'll happen this year. It could happen in the next year and a half, Chief, if they keep these pieces together, the young skill players on offense, whoever the answer is at quarterback, a good young uh, head coach, defensive-minded head coach who's not afraid to make bold decisions, and Robert Salah, clearly, and uh, a really nice front seven with Sauce Gardner on the back end of that defense as well. So that was just a good divisional football game, and uh, you know I was impressed with the way the Bills figured out how to win, even though it was ugly and the Jets kind of hang in there and uh, kind of left a few on the table. They took the Vikings down to the wire two weeks ago, ball in hand, final drive inside the 10, um, you know, one score game against Buffalo. You can't knock the Jets right now, and I, I still kind of like them as the season winds down. Yeah, um, I, I do still like the Jets. Because, see, here's the thing. The Jets are still a fairly young team with a fairly young head coach. And so I, I think for young teams, at least for me, Luke, one, are you being competitive? And two, do you have a chance to win late? Right. And I think what we saw, though, was the Bills The Bills' experience is carrying them through a lot of these close games right now, I think. Um, and we saw their defense get off a little bit um, against Mike White. But once again, the weather conditions, Luce, kind of held both teams back a bit until Mike White, once again, they kind of had to start pushing it down the field. And if you look at the yardage totals, he was able to get it done. They just couldn't put a W in the win column. Uh, I was encouraged to see. Um, you know what we saw from them. Uh, are we good? Are we good to switch gears on this game? Or are, are yeah. we good? Um, so another team that I felt like had to have it. We're going to reserve. We're going to set the Vikings aside. We'll get to them later. Um, the Seattle Seahawks had to have it. I don't. I don't. I don't understand what happened here. The Panthers. Look, I'm a Panthers fan, right? The Panthers put up 30 points, Luke. 30. And you would have thought that Sam Darnold possibly lit the world on fire with us scoring 30 points. He was 14 to 24, 120 yards and a touchdown. Deontay Foreman, 21 carries for 74 yards. Chuba Hubbard, 14 for 74 and a touchdown. Raheem Blackshear, 4 for 32 and a touchdown. Sam Darnold, 4 carries for 30 yards and a touchdown. Like, DJ Moore did not record a pass in this game, and we scored 30 points. I mean, of course, there were some, some defensive miscues, obviously. My point is, Geno put up 264 and three touchdowns, and we beat them by six. Like, to me, this was a had-to-have-it game for the Seahawks. Now, is it is it probably going to screw up their wild, ch wild card chances? They keep losing and Detroit keeps winning. It just might. Do you get what I'm saying? Like this, this they needed to win this game, and they let the Panthers come into town, a five and eight football team now, and now the Seattle Seahawks be seven and six, and they just 
let a game slip away. Um, in, any thoughts on this Seattle game, how, how it went down? I mean, this was – and I'm once again, I'm a Panthers fan. Like, I'm tired of us winning these stupid games. We're not going to the playoffs. Uh, and, and look, a win's a win. But, man, I, I felt like the Seattle Seahawks had to have this game. I think Seattle's one of those teams that's talented in some areas and flawed in others. They're a team that could get in, do damage, would need some volatility, would need the right matchups. We've seen them have some ceiling games, and we've seen them play really inconsistently as well because of some of the flaws on the roster. But Seattle's just one of those teams. They they aren't wowing you as Super Bowl contenders, but if they made a run, it would be cool, and it's plausible. Like, Seattle's one of those teams that could make a run, and, uh, I, you know, they're kind of above average, and if they get hot at the right time, who knows what could happen. I, I think there's a bunch of teams in that fold. Teams that don't Seem like complete contenders. You have Philly, you have Buffalo, you have Kansas City, and I think you need to put Cincinnati on that list now because they're good enough on both sides of the ball that I think Cincinnati can make some noise as well. But I kind of – and you know what? I guess Dallas. I guess Dallas too. But I think you throw – Yeah, I think you have to keep them in there. I, I know it was an ugly win on Sunday, but – at the end of the day, end of the day, I mean, this team is what ten and two, ten and three, um, ten and three. Look, man, a win's a win, right? Just like we talked about last week. What's that? A win's a win, like we talked about last week. In the NFL, it is like even the worst teams, like. The Texans are one of the worst teams in the NFL, and this was a four-point football game. Like that's what we were talking about last week. Like the difference between the best team in the league and the worst team in the league isn't as bad as people think. Now the Eagles just got off against the Giants, but you know, all in all, and I'm bringing this up at four point. Chiefs Broncos 34-28. Broncos have been anemic on offense all season. And we're able to put up 28 points this weekend. Like, as bad as they have been, this ended up being – and they could, they had a chance to take the lead late. Just didn't capitalize. Yeah. Uh, I'm okay with Dallas squeaking one out. Um, But to circle back to your question, I think Seattle is just one of those pretty competitive teams that, you know, if they click at the right time, they could make a run. I think you got to throw teams like Tennessee in that mix. I think you got to throw the Jets in that kind of realm. You know, listen, let's go to the Titans real quick, real quick, because what loses your football games turnovers, four of them to the Jags. The Jags are back in the AFC South race. And how precious is offensive line play? And we don't talk about it enough. Nobody talks about offensive line. It's all, it's all you hear about at the high school level. And then, you know, everything gets all skill player-y. Skill player-y. The sexy skill players in college and the NFL. But all the injuries Tennessee has had on the offensive line is why Derrick Henry has kind of been broken in the second half. I mean, he had 100-plus yards against the Jags. Really nice first half. Um, the past game has been in shambles. But offensive line is so critical. 
losing Taylor Luan was a big deal to this offensive line. If you have one missing link on an offensive line, it could derail an entire offense, Chief. I mean, have you Your seen that? entire season? That's exactly what we're seeing. I hopped on here a couple weeks ago and said Dennis Daly was the worst football player I've ever seen. I stand by that. He is so, so incredibly bad at bad at football. Um that it's just even hard to fathom that there's not a better replacement. And um, it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad. And, and Tennessee has been beat up for sure. And they've been missing a ton of guys again. But I still think uh, we saw the Eagles dismantle the Tennessee offensive line. And it was solely solely due to Dennis Daly. One guy on an offensive line on the blind side um, can really just derail an entire season. So uh, every a lot of these 500 teams have a couple of flaws that will get exposed in in the in the right matchups in the right ways and we've been seeing that so um, kudos to the Jags getting it done uh, the Titans flaws definitely shown and it's up front it's up front on the offensive line and that's not the Titans brand of football and when you know Mike Vrabel doesn't have this identity for for Tennessee to be able to to be the more physical football team uh, it could get ugly fast so. Uh, we'll see if they can clean up some stuff and, and get rid of Dennis Daly and, and move some personnel around. Uh, any thoughts on the Jaguars and Evan Ingram breaking daily fantasy football slates or anything with that one? Well, I think, you know, what we had talked about was, and we talked about it at the beginning of the season, Luch. And so I, I always like it when kind of we talk about things, and but the Jaguars are coming, right? And I, I think we're starting to see it, you know, and we knew they were coming. They're a young team. They were playing teams tough. But young teams typically don't know how – they have to learn how to finish games. You know what I mean? And they didn't have to finish this game, obviously. They were in control. But my point is, you know, some of these games they lost, like they just kind of – they're young. But as they continue to progress and get better, I think you're going to start seeing these types of things out of them. Um, you know, as especially as their offense can continue to progress if, if Trevor Lawrence continues to get better. Um, this team should be able to put up points in the 20s most weeks. If you can do that in the NFL, like, Luch, if you can average about 24 points in the NFL a game, you're going to win a lot of games, right? Like, that's, you know, in the NFL, you're averaging 24 points. You, you're pretty much scoring because, you know, some of those games might be in the 30s. Some might be 17, 18 that you win. But um, this offense is, is coming along. Like, if you look at um, – uh, you know, just this weekend, like Trevor put up over 300 yards passing and the running game did nothing like that. That's what was, I think, a, a shocker to me, which I didn't expect uh, Travis Eaching to get off because we know about the defense of the, the Titans in terms of the run game. But Trevor Lawrence still threw for 368. It's not like he threw for like 220, 250. He threw for 368, like huge game. Uh Definitely something was going on with him and Evan Ingram this game. Had to be a matchup issue, something they saw. You know what I mean? Something they saw on tape that said, okay, th this is this is a matchup we can take advantage of. Zay Jones continues to just catch footballs and put up numbers. Uh, Marvin Jones doesn't have to do anything anymore unless it's, you know, some miracle play. And Christian Kirk is being very serviceable every game. So, I mean, they – they pretty much laid the hammer down on the Titans and they're five and eight and the Titans are seven and six and God forbid the Titans lose again. I mean, the Jaguars, if they continue to win, both these teams get, gosh, 
Week 18, they play each other. It could be for the that, division. That's what I'm saying. It's here's the here's the thing. Tennessee is so banged up that they really need to somehow pull out another win or two and, and load manage. Jeff Simmons has been playing on one foot the entire second half. That's why no one's talking about him anymore. And he commands the second most double teams in the NFL. Tennessee was without Christian Fulton, without David Long, without Zach Cunningham, without Trey Avery, without Danico Autry, um, which is five starters right there. And it showed on paper. Um, so they are severely banged up, which opened the door for a huge day for um, for the Jags to do their thing. This is how bad Dennis Daly is at football at left tackle. He's allowed the most sacks than any other offensive lineman in the league and the second most pressures. And there's 110 more offensive linemen who have played more pass snaps than him. So not only is he giving up the most sacks in the league and the second most pressures, he's 111th on the list and how and how often he's been on the field. And this guy's in the NFL. You have, and you know what? I bet you Ryan Tannehill doesn't sleep at night knowing that guy's protected his blind side, not Taylor Luan. <laughs> um, if you don't have more than a, a second in the off in the pocket, how are you supposed to open up the offense? You just cannot do it. You can't yeah. do it. Can't do it. And Derek Henry actually had a good game this week. He on did. Paper. Yep. Four turnovers too. You don't win in the NFL with four turnovers. God. Yeah, man. you can't. You don't. You can't. You don't. And that was pretty uncharacteristic of Tennessee. If they, you know, they don't score a ton of points, but they typically do take care of the football. So that was yeah. uh, a bad time to be, play uncharacteristic football. And here come the Jags, and we got a fun race in the AFC South. Eagles laying the hammer down. What did what was your takeaway from this game? Blowing out the Giants. The, Let me hear. They're running away with this division. If they beat Dallas, then they, they they're pretty much guaranteed I think the one C because I, I don't think Washington would beat them again. You get what I'm saying? Like I, I don't see that happening. Um 48 to 22 is a that that's a big number. And that, and they beat them convincingly. I think the Eagles had seven sacks in that game for what it's worth. Seven. Daniel Jones didn't play I think most of the fourth quarter. Like th- this this was a division beat down. And so 48 points in the NFL, that's a whole lot. Like like 27 is a lot of points in the NFL. 48? I mean, it was a convincing win. And you know, they, they just keep doing their thing, man. I you know, props to the Eagles and and what they've been able to accomplish this season. I don't have much to say outside of you know, fly Eagles fly. They're just they're rolling. When you win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, piggybacking off our last conversation, everything else comes a lot easier. And then you add AJ Brown on the other side of Devontae Smith. You got the Batman and Robin thing on the outside with time in the pocket and a quarterback who can move and a capable running back in Miles Sanders. I mean, welcome to the new greatest show on turf. Grass, whatever they plan at the link, I don't even know. Is this offense more dangerous than the Bills? Is this offense more dangerous than Kansas City? I think the answer is yes. I think it is. Well, I I, I agree with you. I think it's because of the amount of this offense is potent in a different way. And here, here's what I mean by that. So 
not only can they beat you in the run game, they'll beat you in the quarterback run game. So you get what I'm saying here? So yeah, yeah, Miles Sanders can can do a few things. He can he, he can put together a few special runs, but then when they get get the the quarterback run game going, and I'm talking about the intentional quarterback run game moves. I'm not talking about the off script stuff. I'm talking about intentional quarterback draw, intentional quarterback power, intentional RPO quarterback design runs. You get because they have all that in their offense. Like you know, I was watching some film breakdown on how they run this, and you've got all the moving parts, right? And if and, and so Jalen Hurts sometimes he's reading second level where he so so you know in the traditional rpo game a lot of times they would just read the deep the defensive end right if he's crashing in he'll pull it he'll get outside but now they've got guards pulling and you know judgment and so instead of him reading outside he's reading inside and so it's like okay if you see that your lineman is going to be able to pick up this linebacker as we're crashing out you just keep it and follow him and the running back almost becomes a lead blocker. That's what I'm saying. They've got this thing schemed up to a T, man. And it, it's it's a really interesting thing to watch. And then now when you add that wrinkle, it opens it up for A.J. Brown. It opens it up for Devontae Smith, right? If And, and, and another thing, I think another statistic, I don't want to say a statistic, but another part of his film breakdown, uh, by the way, if, if, if you guys don't watch – I like listening to the herd with Colin Herd because he has a guy that comes off from NFL films and just breaks down film like on his show and talks about different players of the week. So it's really cool. And uh, but what he's been doing also, Luke, if he gets one on one coverage on the outside now, he's taking it. He, he's taking the shot almost every time, which is crazy, right? For a guy that you know maybe had some deep ball issues, maybe wasn't you know touted as the best passer in the world. Like he's he's pushing the ball downfield and he's putting it in some windows. Like, like not only is he pushing it, he's not just throwing a wide open guy. Like in the Steelers game, right? We saw him put it between two defenders, and yeah, AJ Brown's a big guy, but like he put it between two defenders so only AJ could go up and get it. He just waltzed into the end zone, and he's done that several times this season. And I think that's the. Uh, ascension of this offense you, you can't stop them down the field you can't really stop the run game once they get the quarterback run game going as well so how do you beat them you don't and, and i think we're seeing that in the in the uh, in the scores here and i think another thing that i don't want to overlook Lucha, that i promise i'll shut up about the eagles they don't play in a dome they play in a cold stadium so in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. They can travel anywhere, right? They're not, they don't care. They can go in any environment and play and play well. And so I, I think I think that helps them a ton. It's looking good. Jalen Hurts, the favorite to win the MVP on most books right now. Could have gotten a plus money a couple weeks ago. And uh, we'll see how that shakes out for the betting for the betting board. Yeah. San Francisco taking care of business. Doesn't matter who's a quarterback right now. 
It seems like anyway. Yes. The Bucks and Tom Brady getting absolutely exposed on the road, dominated. But, but I think we knew this was coming. I think we knew this was coming, right? Yeah. I mean, it was convincing. It was convincing. Uh, but the Niners got dinged up. Debo Samuel, high ankle sprain. He's supposed to be back towards the end of the regular season. And apparently, Brock Purdy is a name who we're talking about now, which I never thought we would be. Is day-to-day, though, and I guess he should be okay. And he's been playing well since he stepped in for Garoppolo. And I love everything the 49ers have done. They've assembled a defense. They've dug deep. You know, a bunch of guys that weren't high-profile, high-draft-profile high guys uh, became really good pros in this system. Love the coaching staff, both sides of the football. Love what Shanahan does with the offense. Love the scheme. Doesn't matter who's at running back. Love how he's decided to use Debo Samuel the last couple of years. Got Brandon Ayuk out of the doghouse. They got on the same page, and he's been great. George Kittle, although the numbers haven't been there, his presence has been felt when he's healthy. And uh, he got Garoppolo to play some pretty damn good football in this system before he went down. And now it's Brock Purdy, and we've just seen results. Everything in the 49ers organization, Chief, is working hand-in-hand, hand, right? You have scouting, the scouts doing their jobs, good coaching staff on both sides of the football, an organization willing to bring in all and any assets that they can to help out a quarterback or help out a team that has a window to win a championship. They go out and get Christian McCaffrey. I love that move for them, putting all the chips in the pot. Uh, and, and however it worked out that – Jimmy Garoppolo stayed put for another season. Maybe it was just meant to be for that little stopgap. And I, I feel terrible that he was playing such great football. And I hope he has a speedy recovery. And uh, it was it's really cool to see an organization where everyone's on the same page, committed to winning uh, reasonably. And I think the window will still be there next year. The, you know, if tr- whoever's behind center, the rest of that team is ready to win a championship. And My big takeaway is I think the Niners will compete regardless of who's behind center. I don't know who it would, God forbid, be after Brock Purdy, but they're managed the right way. They're coached the right way. They have depth pretty much everywhere. They play physical football. They're a tough out at home, too. And I don't, I can't say that maybe without Garoppolo, maybe they're going to upset Philly. But I, I think it's definitely plausible or upset whoever they end up, you know, on a collision course with the first round or two. But I think San Fran's going to compete despite all this adversity and all the changes that they've had. And uh, let's just see if Debo uh, has a speedy recovery here. I'm just so impressed with the 49ers. I know Tampa Bay is flawed right now, Chief, but it's still Tom Brady. It's still an NFL victory. There are far worse teams in this league than Tampa Bay, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, so Tampa Bay, and here's what I'll say about Tampa Bay. If they win the division, they go to the playoffs. And I think, I think, Luch, most likely they still win the division, right? Like, them losing to the 49ers this season, look, does Tom Brady hate it? Absolutely. Like it, it he does not enjoy losing. And I think I think we saw that in, in the press conference after the game. If you watch it, like he said, look, man, we got our butts kicked. In this league, either 
kick butter, you get your butt kicked. And I mean, we got ours kicked pretty good today. Like if you if you were able to 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 watch that interaction with the media. But Tom's got to know, like in his forty, uh, at age forty five, excuse me. They're not going to win some of these games, but they can still win the division. And I think that's where the Buccaneers come into play. Do they win the division? I think the answer is yes. Now, the, the tricky part is if they win the division, won't they see the Cowboys first at home? What do you think about that? See, now, th- th- this is where it gets tricky to me. Like, this is, to me, this is more tricky than anything else. Because if we can say whatever we want. If you don't jump on the Buccaneers early, like the San Francisco 49ers did, you're in trouble in the playoffs. Like, it can't be a 10-3 game in the fourth quarter for the, for whoever has to go there. In the front. You get what I'm saying? Like, it can't be 10-3 in the fourth. If it is, like, you're in trouble of losing the game. It, it can't be 13-3. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's got to be 21-0 probably. Something, it's got to be a wide enough gap for them to just not get going so the pass rush can get off. If it's anything close, I think people are going to be in trouble. And that, to me, that's the scary part about Tampa Bay. It's not their team as a whole because they haven't played well. It's the experience of Tom Brady. Like, literally, that's what's winning in these games. Um, and, and let me say this, too. You know, we can say whatever we want about Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles made a, a – I don't, I don't call it gutsy – he made a coaching call in not the game against San Francisco, but the previous game. Tom Brady wanted to go for it on fourth down. They, I think they call a timeout. He says, no, we're, let's punt the ball, flip some field position. They get the ball back. They score. They get the ball back again. They score. Like, I, I don't want to overlook that coaching call where you've got the greatest quarterback of all time saying, no, let's keep going. And he no, and I think maybe the other team, I think they got a field goal. He says, no. We're going to trust our team to get it done. And and even Tom talked about that, I think, in, in the previous press conference. Like, to me, that's mutual respect. And, you know, when you've got Tom, I, I feel like he has enough respect for Coach Bowles and, um, and, uh, and Coach Leftwich, right? I think he's got enough respect for them. They respect him a ton. And come playoff time, that could be ugly if you've got to go to Tampa Bay for a game. Especially when you're a team like Dallas that's like done what you're supposed to do all season. Dallas is probably going to win 13 games, 12, 13 games, right? They've done what they're supposed to do, and then they still got to go first round and play Tom Brady. Unreal. The Lions fans have been waiting. They've been waiting. Well, well, well wait a minute, wait a minute. Give me one more. Can you give me one more? And then, then I promise it's time for the Lions Vikings debacle. Can you- 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Give me one I was going to say, but I have one more too. So let's go, Chief. Let's have it. Go ahead. So I'm going back. To Thursday night, I'm gonna give you the Dolphins if that's if that's the game you're going to. If not, cool. That's, that's my chess piece. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I, I I felt like that was the case. I'm going back to Rams Raiders because because remember the theme for me this week is teams that have to have it right. They gotta have it. Um, the Raiders had a meltdown here. And, and, and here's what I saw, because I did watch that game in, in totality, so I didn't have to go back and watch all 22s or anything like that. I was able to just kind of watch this one. What I saw from the Raiders, Luch, was a team that probably felt like they were going to win the game anyway, and they just did not take the Rams seriously. Because the Raiders should have scored at least 30 points in this game. There was no excuse for them to not put up points and they just kind of lollygagged around the whole game. Just, oh, we got it. It's under control. And then they let Baker Mayfield fly to fly to L.A., hop off a plane, check into a hotel, and learn plays on the fly and beat this team on a last second touchdown lose. And I, I, and I, I think you've uh, heard this now. If you, if you haven't been able to tell, I like to watch the press conferences after the game. So I just like to hear what the players are thinking, what the coaches are thinking. And so on Thursday night football loops, they will interview the player of the game, which was, which was Baker Mayfield at that time. Here's what Baker Mayfield had to say. This is the first thing he said, Luch. Because they were saying, Baker, how does it feel? You know, you come in, Baker says, well, first of all, I was shocked that they gave me man coverage on the outside when we had to have a touchdown. Luch, whose fault is that? That's the coach's fault. What in the world? Luch, I'm not a football coach. I'm a basketball coach. I understand football, obviously. Okay, I'm a basketball coach. If my team is up three, right, with five seconds left in a basketball game and the other team is going to inbound the ball, there's one place I'm going to guard and take away. 
I'm taking away the three-point line. I will I will concede a two-pointer, not an easy one, not an easy one. I will concede that you get the ball in and that you're maybe able to get a two, a mid-range, a layup. I'll concede that it's five seconds, right? We just don't want any fouls. You get what I'm saying? But I'm not going to give you a three-pointer. I'm not doing that at all, okay? In football, if a team has to have a town and there's five seconds left, Luch, wouldn't we just say, hey, defenders, everybody go, put your foot on the goal line, and you don't let them get inside. You just don't let them score a touchdown. Like, isn't that the thought process? I feel like that's the thought process. There was no prevent defense. I mean, they could have played – they could have played quarters coverage and had enough. Like I don't, I don't understand what the logic, the, the ideology was. They gave Van Jefferson press coverage and they gave him a free release, and they end up losing this game. A team that was trying to ascend to get into the playoffs. This was a had to have it layup game, and they blew it. <laughs> the Raiders deserve to lose that game and not go into the playoffs. After that performance, and even outside of the bad performance all game, press man coverage outside with no press, free release. What kind of idiotic coaching was that? Josh McDaniels needs to go back to being a coordinator. And, yeah, I know he's not calling defensive plays, but come on, guy. Like, you've got to have better sense than that. All right, I'm off that train. Handing it back to you, Luke, because I know the Lions fans are, are desperate here. That's Raiders football. Um, I do have one other thing, but I can't let Miami off the hook because this was the road trip I've been circling. I've been wanting to see more, you know? And it's not like I don't think Miami's good, a good football team, and it's not like I don't think they're talented, and, and it's not like I don't think they can do damage in the playoffs. And by the way, uh, you can still get decent odds on them. <laughs> Every week after the loss, we're like, hey, you can still get them at 24 to 1 if you want them, you know? Um, yeah. But I haven't seen enough on the road trip, the road trip that mattered. The good football teams, the good teams on the road, you're going to have to win on the road eventually. And I just didn't see it. I, It was bad. It was bad. The Dolphins and the Chargers, two teams that I'm just not very high on. In terms of consistency, we've talked about the Chargers a lot in this podcast. And you know, we've talked a lot about the Miami Dolphins. And the Chargers are just oftentimes missing that component, missing some stability. They they deal with the same injuries every year. I feel like Keenan Allen misses games, Mike Williams misses games, there's games together. Austin Eckler probably misses a few. Herbert had the rib thing earlier this year. Brandon Staley's super aggressive and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Defensively, they're well coached, but seem to get beat on the outside a lot, and teams can run the football against them. But Miami could not do anything against them. Tua did not look good. The Miami offensive line got hustled. Another offensive line, uh, it, you know, observation from this week here. And, but that's two games in a row where I just, where I'm not impressed. And I really like Mike McDaniel. Like, the guy's a stud coach, I think. He's brilliant. Yeah, they're, um, they're playing fine. Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. And it wasn't like a 
it was what, a one possession game. I get it, but I'm also not very high on the Chargers. That that game didn't really didn't really do anything for me for either team because they're kind of just who I think they are. <laughs> they are who well, I thought they were. But Playoffs? here's what I will say. Here's what Playoffs. I Here's what I will say. What you saw from the Chargers was a team that wasn't going to take their foot off the gas. Like, they were up, and they just kept throwing the football. They're like, nope, we're going to push it down the field. Now, here's what I will say also, lose because I did watch that game as well. And a lot of times when I'm watching games now, it's, it's, it's a multifaceted reason. I want to see how my props are doing. That's one reason. I want to see how teams are scheming up the others. I want to see that. And then I just want to see, like, the vibe of the team, right? Like, how are things going? What's the swag like? And and I know that seems crazy in in an analytical uh, uh, era that we're in, but lose. Here's what I saw in that game. And I I don't want this to go unnoticed. I think at one point in the game, Tyreek Hill had been targeted eight to ten times and he had two catches at one point in the game. Now, when you hear that, Luke, and I'm not asking this rhetorically, like, and, and, and I've got a point after your answer, but what do you, when you hear eight to ten targets, two catches for Tyreek Hill, what, what are you kind of your immediate thoughts there? I don't know. I don't really have any. Okay, that's cool. My, my thoughts are, where's Jalen Waddle been on the road trip? Okay, now let's talk through that. Th- and, and and that's what I was hoping you would think. Like, well, how many targets did Jalen Waddle have with Tyreek at 10? At one point in this game, Jalen Waddle had one target and Tyreek Hill had like 10 targets. At one point in this game. And I'm going back and I'm saying, well, I feel like Coach Mike, let's, let's call him Coach Mike, not Mike Tom. Let's call him Coach McDaniels. I don't feel like he made good adjustments early on. Here's why I say that, Luch. The scheme they were running, they were running plays 20 yards down the field, Luch. I feel like they got away from the short passing game, the quick strikes, stuff to keep the defense off balance. Everything was slow and long developing early on in this game. I mean, deep 20-yard in routes, Luke. You know, post just crazy play calling to me when you've got two guys that you literally probably run a shallow cross every three plays and get first downs. Do you get what I'm saying here? I felt like there was no imagination in the first half of this game. And then you went into the second half, and we saw a lot of the same. I just felt like the play calling just wasn't good enough to get this team where they needed to be. Now, was Tua under the rest some? Yes. Did he need to play better? Yes. But play calling has a big effect on how a quarterback can settle into a game. And I don't think Tua had a chance to settle in at all because everything felt like five-step drop, slow, long, developing plays like we got to be better than that coach you know what i mean throw a wide receiver screen throw some slants you you have to be better than that like and if okay if you don't get it get it but 
I'm telling go if, if you're able to go back and watch this film, Luke, you'll see what I'm saying. Too many deep balls, too many long developing plays, short passing game, intermediate passing game, get your run game going. And I don't think they did that. And that was their problem with the Chargers this past week. It's a weird uh, comparison or like observation that I'm about to make, but we kind of saw Tyreek Hill is a God-given talent in this league on the field. Say what you want about whatever his issues were off the field, et cetera. We're talking football, strictly football. There's really been nobody like him in this league. He's a weapon. He's the ultimate weapon. He's in the MVP conversation. He's not going to win it just because it's going to go to a quarterback. <laughs> but like, yeah. But like, we saw Mahomes kind of have to figure it out with who he had. I mean, he had Travis Kelsey, who's the ultimate chain mover. But Mahomes got—I don't want to say Mahomes—and of course Andy Reid. We know how Andy Reid likes to call plays. I feel like at one point of their tenure together, they kind of got addicted to the long developing home run plays multiple times a drive. And they kind of hit their lull a little bit until we saw the development or the willingness to kind of take those check downs and those five, six yard passing plays. And I I don't know who that's going to be in the Miami offense, but it should be big Mike Kaziki. This guy should be involved. And I, I'm kind of disappointed that he's not more. This guy should, you know, he's athletic, he's big, he should win you balls in the middle of the field. And I think I think it's going to be just simply let's take what the offense is going to give us a little or the defense is going to give us a little bit more just from watching how the Chargers played, you know, these two brilliant receivers and what the Dolphins wanted to do. And they took away the middle of the field. I mean, you it was like the only thing the telecast ever said that was pretty intelligent was they literally were playing a lot of cover that took away these crossing routes when you have two receivers that are as fast and gifted and get open like Waddle and Tyreek, and that's what they like to do. And I think it could be something as simple as let's take these four to five-yard plays and get into down in, you know, good down and distance situations because you're not always going to be able to get that home run ball. That's it. Like, that's literally it. They started running the ball in the second half, got themselves into some more positive – down in distant situations, and you saw a slightly different offense. But, like, imagine if they did that in the first half. We we might be talking about Miami winning this game. I mean, they lost 23-17. Right. And that's right. because they had to kick a field goal late because they played so poorly in the first half. Like, it was terrible. And they almost got the onside kick. Like, they did almost. It, it was so close. And, I mean – that's Man. the Chargers, Chief. The Chargers always put themselves in a one-score game. <laughs> they never I take know. their foot off. They never take their foot off their gas because they can't because they don't run the football. They literally I, cannot ever not take their foot off the gas and have to tie and like forty percent of the time it benefits them and sixty percent of the time it kills them that they just can't run between the tackles at all. That's who they are. It's is I will say this: Justin Herbert played that was his best football game season though. I think in terms of mobility and creating throws and not making any mistakes. But uh, I, I just – I think Miami and the Chargers, and this is like probably a very unpopular take, but I think they are a tier ahead of teams like Seattle and Tennessee. But I just – I 
I just can't. I, I just the Chargers specifically. I just cannot buy into. Miami yeah. has the ceiling, and I've been talking about putting futures on them for three weeks now, and I just think it's incredible value. But they have some things they need to figure out for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one one more quick thing. I swear, I swear, and then this, and then this Lions time. Look at us just. Like it's like we're in, like we're a bad couple avoiding avoiding the conflict we need to talk about. <laughs> we're, put, we're sweeping it under the rug as long as we can, and maybe we'll just get through the show, just not talk about it. But people will come to our heads. Yeah, yeah. But but you just absolutely what a massacre and heartbreaker of a football game between New England and Arizona and. You just hate to see the non-contact injury with Kyler. Oh man, and, three plays in too. Like, and I, you know, he's voiced his displeasure a lot. We've seen it on TV. A lot of the talking heads are making a big deal. Oh, is Kyler Murray immature and blah blah blah? This guy's just emotional and wants to freaking win football games. I think, and you know, he, he never had his full complementary of weapons. He never did. He never had Hopkins, Hollywood. Ertz, Rondell, and Connor at the same time. And that's a really nice looking offense on paper. And I was really looking forward to, you know, I, I just I hope he has a speedy recovery, but you know, we'll have to see the severity of the injury. If this thing, you know, if he's not ready by camp and people are already calling for Cliff's head and he had, he really has made some pretty poor choices and he hasn't won a he hasn't won a challenge since 2020 when he took over, by the way. Did you hear that statistic? So he I don't know if he knows how to coach. And I just feel like there might be some decisions that are going to have to be made in this organization. And I just feel like it was a really unfortunate, uh, it's just nothing good. Like that was just really sad. And, um, you know, so many injuries in that game last night, chief. Yeah, man. Um, on both sides too. Um, that's a tough one. You know, hopefully he'll be okay. I think we see some changes in Arizona. If not, I think Cliff Kingsbury, in my opinion, I think because of the injuries, they may give him a pass. I think he may have one more season to get this right. Because we have seen them win games. This season, though, like you talked about, I mean, God, half your offense of your, your, your key players were out. Now, Hopkins more for suspension, I think, than, than the others. But, like... I mean, what can you do? You try to trade water until those guys get back, and now you're, you're, your star quarterback is hurt. So I think – now, I could be wrong here. I think they give Cliff Kingsbury one more season to figure it out. And then after that, I think he's done. If they don't win football games with a healthy – with a mostly healthy uh, football team all season. All right. Here we go. So I'll kick this off because myself, the commish, we came on now the National Roto Grinders Podcast Network and pumped up the Lions, I mean the Vikings, and talked about the fact that what was Vegas doing, what were the line makers doing, what were they thinking, and lo and behold, the Detroit Lions at home put a pretty good spanking on the Vikings. I mean, Justin Jefferson was able to get off like we anticipated. But once again, 
the Lions digging themselves out of an early grave here and, and put on a performance for the ages. Now, Luz, if you would have told me without knowing the score that Kirk Cousins threw for 425 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions, I would have said, oh, the Vikings must have won this game 35-3. to Okay? But then you go to the other side. Jared Goff, 330-3. And, 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 and the crazy part, spread the ball around tremendously. Like, if, if you would have heard that, you would have thought Amon Ross St. Brown had 120 yards receiving. He had 68 yards receiving in this game. Six for 68. DJ Chark, six for 94 in a touchdown. Josh Reynolds, five for 51 in a touchdown. Jamison Williams, one big play, one for 41 in a touchdown. Khalif Raymond, two for 19. DeAndre Swift, three for 18. Shane Zylstra, Zylstra of all people, two for 18. Justin Jackson, one for 12. Penny Sewell, one for nine. And... The run game basically did nothing. We had Jamal Williams at 16 carries for 37 yards. DeAndre Swift, 6 for 21. Justin Jackson, 4 for 19. Golf took off once. And Amara St. Brown had one carry for six yards. But the Vikings, I mean, the Lions got it done. And they are pulling themselves into the playoffs, loops. Like, the Lions have a shot to go to the playoffs. I, I just want that to sink in for people. They got a shot to go to the playoffs. And for everything we've said about this team, and you know, we've seen Dan Campbell say some weird things on, on national television. He's got this team inspired to play. And this offense is playing pretty well. I heard another uh analyst talk about this, Luke. Okay, so the Lions have a ton of draft picks coming up, by the way. A ton. And, are, I mean, do you draft a quarterback? Like, who wants to get good at Jared Goff right now in this offense? He's been playing fine. Like, why, why do you go out and get an unproven rookie? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's very interesting to see Jared Goff do this with these weapons because he's got weapons. He may have more weapons now than he did when he was in with the Rams. But the and sky I, was the sky was falling when they gave away TJ Hawkinson, who they beat, by the way. I know. That that's what I'm saying. Like they, they have the pieces. Now, are they gonna win a Super Bowl? No. But one of the things that I can say about this team is they don't have a problem scoring points. You get what I'm saying? This team can put up points. And when you can do that in the NFL, Luch, you've got a shot. Like, you, you have a shot when you can score points in the NFL. And, and here's what I'm saying. Now, have they had some rough games? Yes. But, Luch, remember we talked about in the NFL, a lot of games are close, right? Listen to the Lions' offensive production, even in losses. They lost to the Eagles 38 to 35 lose 38 35 beat the commanders 36 27 lost to the vikings 28 24 lost to the seahawks 
8-45. Now, the Patriots put a spanking on them. It was 29-0. Lost to the Cowboys 24-6. Okay. Lions. I mean, Dolphins beat them 31-27. They beat the Packers 15-9. They beat the Bears 31-30. They beat the Giants 31-18. They lost to the Bills 28-25. They beat the Jaguars 40-14, and they just beat the Vikings 34-23. Luke, this team can score points. It's incredible, really. Now, do I think they should have beat the Vikings? No. But they did, and now they get a matchup with the Jets, Panthers, Lions, and Packers. How many of these games do you think they win? Three. Just because, it's the, win. Just because it's the NFL. I no, I think they win three as well. But but here's here's the tricky part. The Panthers' defense may give them some problems. That like that's that's the game to me. That they probably have to win because the Jets, the Jets, their defense is good too, but like I feel like the Panthers is a different style of play. I mean, Panthers can't put up enough points to hang with them, so the defense is going to have to be flawless, and they're going to come out with their hair on fire, right? You get what I'm saying? Um, they should beat the Bears, they should beat the Packers, and if they did that. Uh, they'd be a what nine and a eight and they'd be an eight and nine football team if they won two. They'd be nine and eight if they won three of the last four games. They'd be over five hundred and and looking like a wild card playoff team, and that's very interesting considering where we are in the season. So shout out to TJ, our guy TJ, who went on crunch time and he did this whole thing where he gave me 150 likes or whatever on the video. I'll give you my, my low own tournament play. And, you know, there's probably people thinking, oh, this guy just wants the likes or whatever. He got on here and said, you got to play Jamison Williams. He got on crunch time and said, it's not St. Brown, it's Jamison Williams. Lo and behold, first quarter, Jamison Williams has arrived. 4,400 receiver uh, on FanDuel or or whatever his price was, close to the minimum, if not. And tell you what, that's some serious value. So big shout out to TJ, who was on Detroit, the right side of Detroit. And uh, that was an awesome, awesome conviction call there. But well, I mean, yeah, if you stack this game the right way, you came out all right. Like if you if you played Justin Jefferson in golf, you know, you, you were pretty good. And the other guys didn't kill you. Um, I will say for DFS, where I messed up this week was I played Philip Dorsett, and uh, man, he didn't do anything. But they had another guy that had like nine for ninety-one, Mister Moore. My gosh, could have easily played Chris Moore, but I did not, and that kind of cost me this week. But it is what it is. Let me let me just let me just say this, perhaps. Why not? Everyone can buy into a team like Dallas. They're four and one in one score at one possession games, which is great. They're finding ways to win and they're closing they're closing out games the right way. They're on the right side of a little bit of variance or one or two calls or one or two plays. Uh, and that's fine. The Minnesota Vikings 
are nine and zero in one possession games. It just, it's just that's a that's however you want to look at that is just it just wows you. First of all, how many one possession games can you win without losing in the NFL? I, I would say out of ten, you're losing you're losing at least three, typically in this well, league. Well, yeah, I mean that that's positive variance, but once again, it it it's not wins how. I know. Wins it's, it's, win. what, does the, what does the record say? And, and I, know the record De- I know Detroit won by nine. It wasn't one possession, but like these games have been freaking close, man. Like almost all of them. So, well, okay. Last thing about the Vikings. Last thing about the Vikings, and then I know we'll 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 look ahead here. The Vikings have the Colts on Saturday. Do you think they lose that game? No. They're they're home. I know, man. No, no. I I I don't see it. I don't see it, but I mean, Indy is fresh coming off a bye, so that's. I got you, but I don't want to diminish. Like the Vikings are still very talented. Like they lost to the Lions. And I think losing to the Lions is like, oh, but we've seen the Lions can put up points on anybody. It's Minnesota, whether or not they can finish the game. According to our 2022 history, Minnesota will win by eight or less. That's my take. Okay. Well, no matter how you slice it, I'm not expecting them to lose to the Colts. Okay. So they'll be – and here's what I'm saying too, Luke. Like, I think because people don't like the Vikings – because of how they've won games, we just want to write them off as not being as good as their record says they are. But we can say the same thing about the Cowboys. And you, you get what I'm saying? I'm, I'm saying if we want to go that route, we can say that pretty much about almost every team in the league. Yeah, that's true. That That's my point. So they've won 10 games. and Nobody's going to touch the Eagles. The only good team is the Eagles. <laughs> but but the Eagles have had close spots too. Like recently. So so here's what we're gonna do with the Eagles, right? And see, this is where this is where your good friendly neighborhood chief has to come in and write the ship for not only ESPN, not only Fox Sports, but the whole sports community. Uh, I thought we were about to move on, but now we've got to go back. Now, did the Eagles put a stomping on the Giants? They absolutely did. They're 12 and 1. They are 12 and 1. Lose. Here's my here's my point now. Because remember, and we've talked about this. The Eagles beat the Lions 38 to 35. How many points was that? Three. A lot. <laughs> now they beat the Vikings 24 to 7. They beat the Commanders early 24 to 8, 24 to 8. They beat the Jaguars 29-21. They beat the Cardinals 20 to 17, Cowboys 26 to 17, Steelers 35-13, uh, Texans 29 to 17, lost to the Commanders 32-21, beat the Colts 17-16, beat the Packers 40 to 33, spanked the Titans and they spanked the Giants. But here's what I'm saying. We can go and look at the, the Cowboys who have similar things happen. They beat some teams by three, some teams by five, some teams by 20. Right, so the Eagles happened to be on the positive side of some variance. They they were they were about to head into overtime against the Cardinals. The guy missed the field goal. Matt Prater misses a field goal, 
if they don't go into overtime. So my point is, while the Eagles are 12 and 1, and your record is what you you are what your record says you are, do the Eagles have the juice? Absolutely. But but we're not we're not writing off their record because they've won some close games. Like it's like those games don't exist, right? So here, so the Eagles are twelve and one, and their close games don't exist. But the Vikings are ten and three, and every close game exists. You see how that that's like unfair comparisons. That that's the point I'm trying to make here. Like I'm not writing off the Vikings because they lost to the Lions. Like they've still got a fairly favorable schedule to win four more football games. It's running through there anyway. Like you're going to have to go to Minnesota to play because they're going to win their division, period. All right, I'm done. Good. That was a good spiel. I liked it. <laughs> um, look ahead. Let's do it. I, I think it's a big game this week. 49ers at Seattle. Right off the rip on Thursday night. We're gonna, this we're is gonna a tra- this a trap game, Luch. I'm telling you right now. This is a trap game. Short week. We've seen this every season. Short week. One of these stupid games. And let me say this. Seattle might win this game. Debo's not playing. We'll see what happens with Purdy. Short week at home. 49ers could trip up here. Seattle wins this game. I would disagree, but uh, but not but not by by a one score margin. I like I'm not saying wow that was the worst take ever, Chief. I'm on the Niners, but a lot of a lot of question marks you're right a lot of question marks on a very short week on the road on the road on the road you know 12th man's going to be livid right they're going to be uh, making some noise tough atmosphere to play in purdy's not 100 percent. i still cannot believe we're talking about brock purdy on this podcast but he's been playing good football absolutely now, the ravens are dealing with a, a wealth of injuries as usual uh three-point road dogs against cleveland uh, deshaun watson played better football what do you think wins this football game? Oh boy. And, and look, let me say this. Gosh, I hate when I'm right, but I'm wrong on, on my props. So I said this, I think, the first week, like Deshaun Watson comes out rusty, but typically once you get that second week of practice in, you look a lot better. And what happened? He looked a lot better. Now, he didn't play well in the first half, but we saw the yardage pick up. This week, he's probably going to look even better than he did last week. And all of a sudden, the Browns are going to have some stuff here. Um, no Lamar Jackson, I don't think. Um, I, I think I'm going to give this game to the Browns at home. Tough division game, but if Deshaun is getting better in the deep play serviceably, they win this game because they will they will have a more explosive office than the Ravens on Sunday. That I can guarantee you. Okay. Is it redemption time for Miami? Seven and a half point road dogs at Buffalo. We could see some significant weather in this game. I'm not sure what the weather's gonna call for. 
I'll, I'll let you, you know, give your take on here. I think this is a tough spot for Miami. And uh, for me, it's the Bills. Um, I don't want to give up on Miami yet, but they're on the road. Here's what I've seen, though, over the past few weeks. The Bills haven't put teams away. And that, that's the scary part for me with Miami. If you don't put this team away, they've got a chance. And I we haven't seen it, them look good the past couple weeks. Uh, if there was any team I felt more confident in them probably losing to, it was the 49ers. I expect them to go there and try to win and put some pressure on them. But the 49ers defense, man, it's they're incredible now. Um, they had a shot against the Chargers. Hopefully, Coach McDaniel can make some adjustments and get his play calling back on track. I'm going with the Bills at home, but I don't feel good about it, to be honest with you. I do think Miami is explosive enough to make the Bills pay if they don't put them away early. Possible snow, possible rain, possible wind. My my issue in this one would be Miami doesn't have a run game. They don't know how to run the football. They can't commit to running the football. And the Bills have definitely shown some willingness to run the ball more the last six to eight weeks, getting uh, little brother Cook into the mix, which is good to see. If it's ugly, I say Miami covers seven and a half, but they lose the game. That's that's my ultimate take here, and I, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in that prediction actually. Yeah. Give me another game you want to talk about. I mean, the Lions are playing the Jets this week in technically New Jersey. So, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think I think this is this is an interesting game because these are two teams that are making an attempt to ascend into playoff consistently. Um, now, the Lions haven't been a playoff team consistently, and neither have the Jets. But the, I think this is what they're attempting to do: have a culture shift. Let's start getting into the playoffs consistently. Um, if we saw Mike White take some big shots on, uh, or a big shot for sure on Sunday, Joe Flacco had to come in for a little bit. Hopefully Mike White is okay. Um, do you think the Jets can put up enough points to hang? They're at home. But I'm going to go with the hot Lions here. I'm, I'm, I'm going for the upset. Lions over the Jets, which means the Jets are absolutely going to win this game. <laughs> Chief trying to win back some listeners this week. <laughs> well, the, it's the points, though, man. Like, Minnesota, I felt like, could put up enough points, right? And they can. Can the Jets put up enough points to hang is the question. I think so. I cannot I pick you. a winner in this game. I cannot pick a winner in this game, but I hope it's the Jets because I'm probably starting Mike White in fantasy. <laughs> By the way, yeah. it's playoff league. So I I am like I think I'm gonna watch this game like in its entirety. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. This should be a fun one as long as everything comes to fruition. I, I've got a game that I want to discuss that I think is another trap game. Um 
and you you tell me how you feel about it. I'm telling you, and, and we've seen this before. The Bengals are going to Tampa Bay. Tom's coming off a beatdown. We're on the Cincinnati. Now, I know that was the Bill Belichick phrase, but my point is, and it's not about the Bengals, it's about where I feel like the mindset of this team will be. Now, are the Buccaneers a good football team? No. Are they a bad football team? No. They're below Tom Brady standards, but this is an average football team. You get what I'm saying? Like, they're not the best. They're not the worst. They're probably somewhere in the middle at the end of it all. I think this is a trap game for the Bengals. Now, are the Bengals a better football team? I definitely think so. But I, I, I think this is a trap game for the Bengals. I see the Buccaneers squeezing this out on another Tom Brady heroic last-second drive here. Um, no, not for me. Uh, I, I, I think it'll be a, a competitive game. I'm, I'm in on the Bengals. I'm in on the Bengals winning this football. Game. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm saying the Buccaneers could, because of how they've been playing. They've been on a roll. They beat the Chiefs. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's. It's just it's a weird spot in the season for them at nine and four, going on the road to play the Bucks, who haven't been great but are coming off one of their worst losses of the season. Like you, you get what I'm saying? Like I, I don't know, man. And, and here's something else I'm I'm looking at too. Bengals on the road haven't been Bengals at home. Let, let, let me let me give it to you. And I know this was a little earlier. At the Cowboys, 17 to 20. At the Jets, 27-12, but that was early in the season. Uh at the Ravens, lost 19 to 17. At the Saints, 130-26. Uh at the Browns, lost 32-13. At the Steelers, 37 to 30. At the Titans, 20 to 16. You see, like they have not been the same on the road. They've won, but there's there's room, there's wiggle room in there. And I'm just saying they're coming off two home games, and now they're going back on the road to play the Bucks. And it just it could be a trap game for them. That that's really all I'm saying. I agree. Chargers Titans, four twenty-five. Chargers favored by three. And here's what I'm gonna say: If the Titans don't get Christian Fulton back, that secondary is a mess. If they don't get Danico Autry back, the pass rush still won't be there. They've had three sacks in the last three games before Danico Autry went down, and Jeff Simmons has been playing on one leg. What do the Chargers do? They pass the football. They don't run the football. This is probably my favorite, like, I don't know how much ownership the Chargers are going to garner. It's early in the week. Maybe it's an emotional head chair, but I think Herbert is going to carve up Tennessee. On the flip side, you know from, from pounding props and playing a little bit of DFS this year, the Chargers cannot stop the run. Uh, as good as that pass rush is, I think the Titans can win some run, some, like, early downs on the run. So I'm interested to see uh, two Two conflicts of style here. 
right? Like teams have been gashing the Chargers all year in the ground. Tennessee's going to try to do it regardless. And uh, the Tennessee's been uh, getting hit in the past game pretty heavily lately. I'm taking the Chargers. I'm taking them over over Tennessee. And I kind of like this game for DFS purposes here. Like Tennessee hasn't been lighting up the scoreboard, but I think Henry scores. Probably has 80, 90 yards in the ground. A couple catches. Yeah. Big yeah. game. He, he big, Mike, big game for Mike Williams this week. That's two touchdown Mike Williams break the slate this week. That's my call. And it kind of pains me go, you know, saying it against my boys here. But I'm unbiased. And this is a bad matchup for Tennessee, in my opinion, defensively. Yeah. No, I get it for sure. I get it for sure. Another trap game on the horizon, Cowboys-Jaguars. Oh, baby. A, a, oh, another baby. one of those weird – I'm telling you, it's 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 trap week, bro. It, it's it's trap week. It, it's so, – so, oof. This is going to be interesting uh, for, for the Cowboys this week. Um, do I feel like they should handle the Jaguars in a, in a general sense? I do. Um, but man, it's Jaguars are getting four and a half at home and it opened at six. If, if, if six was dangling in my face, I'd say, give me the Jags four and a half's tough, a little tougher, uh, playing at home, not inside, not in Jerry's world, man, do I kind of like the Jaguars. And as a Titans fan, I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping that Dallas gets this W, but from a betting perspective, I like the Jags with the ten. I'm not just I'm not just drinking the sauce that they you know thump Tennessee. I mean, they've been playing competitive football for longer than uh, some people want to give them credit for. Um, it's going to be a one possession game. I think Vegas has this right. Give me the Jags with the points. Give me the Jags with the points. If anybody calls me biased after listening to this podcast, Chief. You're listening to the wrong guy. Yeah, man. What do you? Absolutely. What's your take? Who do you, who do you take? I'm going to take the Cowboys. I still think it's a trap game. Like they may come out flat and have to rally late. We'll see. I'm taking the Cowboys though. Not not the points. I'm just taking them to win straight up. Listen, it's playoff week in most competent fantasy leagues. So good luck to everybody that's playing season long. And it's a war of nutrition. If you have avoided a lot of injuries, uh, you might be in decent shape, even if you didn't have the best roster on paper two weeks ago and you got in. So let me ask you this. I'm just, I'm surveying some names that are in some of the waiver wires that I've been seeing uh, and seeing people post about. I looked in a couple of leagues, my own. Well, let me ask you this. You're desperate for quarterback. Maybe you had Lamar or Huntley or whatever your situation is or Garoppolo. I don't know, right? But there are definitely some, some fantasy football owners who are uh, maybe looking to, to get a quarterback this week. Let's say Mike White, Daniel Jones, and Jared Goff are all available. Mike White has Detroit, Daniel Jones at Washington, Jared Goff at the Jets. And you know what? I'll Give even throw golf. Tom Brady in there. I'll even throw Tom Brady in there because some Give me people golf. ditch Tom Brady. So you like Goff against Detroit. Yeah, I guess the Jets. Yeah, give, give me golf. Yeah. This offense, I mean, he, he's got the weapons, man. Like throwing Jamison Williams into the mix, having DeAndre Swift to be able to catch passes, mixing Jamal Williams in the run game, Amon Ross St. Brown on the outside. Like, give, give me golf. I feel like he's got a more complete complement of good weapons 
And this offense, as we talked about, can put up points. That that's just such a fascinating game for so many purposes because A, we're gonna find a lot out about the Jets and the Lions. B, you know a ton of people are streaming Mike White and Jared Goff in the playoffs, in the fantasy football playoffs this week as well. And I think I'm kind of partial to Mike White. I mean, yeah, we're, we're crapping on the Vikings here. They couldn't establish the run, but Kirk Cousins still had a very efficient uh, mega game through the air. So uh, I can't discount that. And, yeah, the Lions defense has looked better in the second half, but I think I'm on the Mike White side there, but I don't hate the Goff take. Um, oh, and, and don't look now. Tyron Smith is coming back this week. Just like I know that. that's a Cowboys take, but that's a big deal. Yeah, that that really is just a, a massive upgrade. Um, so my other question is: looking at wide receiver, you're super desperate, right? Mm-hmm. You have Marquez Valdez Scantling, Elijah Moore, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson. Am I missing anybody? Hold on. Jameson Williams. I, I, I'm not thinking Jahan Dotson. And I, I, Elijah Moore, I don't hate, but I I, I, th- I think it's Jameson Williams. Are you out on Sky Moore now? You know, he had like too many. <laughs> I was never in on Sky Moore, what it's worth. Like they, they spread the ball around too much. He was never going to be consistently impactful for any type of fantasy. Look, I'll put it to you like this. Marquez Valdez-Scantley, and I know this was about Sky Moore, came in at a reception prop of three this week. I took the under. I won. Let me ask you this. DJ Chark or Jamison Williams, pick one for this week if you need one. Now we're getting – now it's getting interesting. I think I roll with with long term shark chart. I think I roll with shark here. I feel like he's still going to get more targets, but could be Jamison. I think I take chart though for what it's worth. Either Shuba could Hunter. be the right answer because we got to think Sauce Gardner is going to be lined up on Amon Ross St. Brown. What's the deal with Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman? Have the game scripts been good where they can split all this crazy volume? Are you nervous to use one of these Panthers running backs? Would you uh, that's how they want to play. And, I mean, they play the Steelers this week, don't they? Yeah. They're at home. Either I, one may be viable. I, I still like Foreman better. I feel like he's got more goal line work. But, I mean, it was pretty. it was a pretty good split this week. So, you know, we'll see. I guess it's also uh, definitely worth monitoring the Patriots situation. Damian Harris didn't play. We'll have to see like how much he practices. It's worth trying to take a dart throw one of these Patriots running backs. I think if they're on the waiver wire and like you want to see how it unfolds. Damian Harris, you know, we saw Pierre Strong and we saw uh, Kevin Harris. I don't know what my lean would be. I guess between Harris and Strong, maybe Strong by a nose. But um, we're every America's scrapping the waiver wire here, baby, for fantasy football playoff week. We are. Uh, dealing with a lot of injuries here, and that's that. So good luck to everybody in your season-long leagues. Hey, GPP food of the day slash story time. Tell me something good, Chief. Tell me something good. Um, So I must say 
Um, hear, hear me out here, folks. This, this is a GPP food of the day slash story time. Um, if, if you're not busy over the holidays and like too caught up in the hustle and bustle, like I know you have gifts to buy and stuff like that, man, go volunteer at your local food bank. Um, you know, my, uh, my church happens to have one, so I kind of get to do it year round. But what I will say, man, is, you know, as fortunate as we are, you know, when you think about things like some people just aren't as fortunate, bro. And you'd be surprised what a care package of bread, canned goods, uh, you know, sometimes we have fruit, eggs. You'd just be surprised what a little care package like that could do to brighten up someone's day. And the food pantry appreciates it. Uh, they always need volunteers. So GPP food of the day, man, you know, if you can, go, go visit the local food pantry and, and uh, uh, tier for an hour. Um, it, it, it could definitely change your life, man. Like everybody doesn't have it as good as, the next person and, uh, you know, being able to assist in providing help for someone that's really in need. Like, just think about the magnitude of, of this, Luch. Um, when someone comes to the food bank, they're, they're basically saying, hey, I don't have enough food to, like, take care of my family. So it, it, it takes guts, it takes pride to put that aside and say, hey, I, I've got to get down. Like, we need help. We don't have food to eat. Like, that's a basic necessity of living. It, it, it's food. And so, um, once again, if you could uh, get to your local food food bank or food pantry, just give them an hour. Um, it, it's That hour will be well spent. Depending on how long people have been listening to us, I used to be a reporter for a newspaper, a pretty, pretty local joint for a really long time, actually. So I got to know a lot of rural towns and, you know, dealt with food banks and churches and, you know, around the holidays. And it was uh, another way I was able to contribute was, you know, I was I was happy to write as many stories and articles and whatever I could do to spread awareness about that kind of stuff. But there are so many ways to donate during the holidays, you know. Um, if you're not involved with a food bank, you know, Christmas time and, and giving gifts and, you know, like, like you said, uh, up here, there's a bunch of stuff that they call the angel tree where you can anonymously donate, yeah. um, gifts, um, and, uh, to, or, you know, nonprofits that host these, uh, I, I don't know what giveaways or, um, programs, you know, where families can sign up, um, you know, to have some, have some gifts to give in the holidays and, um, you see a lot of local businesses get involved and, and, and individuals, and uh, that's really cool. There's just, you know, so many ways to uh, to donate and give back this time of the year. So it's it's really cool to see. I I can't believe we are getting insanely close to the new year already, Chief. It's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, for sure. Pretty crazy. For sure. And, and we're not we're not stopping though. We got food for thought coming at you, full throttle. Um, I will tell you this, I, I had a pretty busy weekend and, um, 
I went to uh, Hershey Park in PA with my girlfriend, and she showed me a lot of spots that she typically goes with her family every year, and that was pretty cool, you know. Um, ate at a really nice restaurant, but we also stopped at a really, really cool brewery. And if you're from, if you're from Pennsylvania, Central Pennsylvania, um, or Eastern Pennsylvania, you probably know Trogues if you drink beer, and it was one of the coolest uh, environments I've been in in terms of breweries or wineries. We took a tour. We saw the whole process, you know, from beginning to end, um, you know, what it takes to actually uh, to make the beer and, and where, where they put it and their whole the whole establishment they have back there. And it was really cool. And um, they had really awesome food there. So if you're in Central PA, uh, check out Trogues Brewery. The beer was really good. Got hooked up at the end of it. Um, and my girlfriend doesn't really drink beer, so I drank two people's worth of samples, so I was feeling pretty good uh, by the end of it. But Hershey's also where they have the high school state wrestling championships, and this is the first year that they didn't have the um, PIAA high school football championships. Um, but Hershey is secretly a little a little mecca of uh, of high school sports in the middle of Pennsylvania. So people think of the amusement park there and the chocolate where the chocolate's made, you know, Hershey chocolate, but really mm-hmm. it's a hidden gem for a high school sports. You know, if you're a kid growing up in Pennsylvania and, and you're a wrestler um, or you play football, you know, that was always your goal to get at Hershey in December uh, and play football there. So uh, it's a cool little town and there's definitely some cool stuff there and uh, you know, a really cool brewery. And, and I got to say this, by the way, I, I woke up today. I got a good morning text from my girlfriend, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And we stopped at the sports book at the casino by her house over the weekend. And I introduced her to what a kiosk was to put bets in. So I woke up today and she said, good morning. We lost our parlay. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I never expected that. And Classic. So... <clears throat> Find someone that will take interest in your hobbies a little bit, even when you don't extend. And uh, I thought that that was pretty funny. So uh, I know she's listening. So Taylor, I'm glad you're a little bit invested with me here. Listen, that's a classic, bro. That that's an instant classic. And we've like run way over time on this show today. So thank you all for listening. But listen, good morning. We lost our parlay. That that that's the show title. <laughs> Find you a significant other that will that will grieve in losses with you and oh my goodness <laughs> and smile for joy when you win them. But uh, that that made me laugh. That made me smile. So. <laughs> but thanks, Taylor. You're the best. And it was cool drinking your beer at Trobes. So thanks for letting me catch a buzz. Anyway, we'll be back. We'll be back uh, next week for another episode. I can't wait to run it back and watch the Lions Jets this week. Chief, I know we have a bunch of content to keep pumping out this week at Roto Grinders and Scores Nods and the whole nine yards. So if you've never listened to us for some reason, where can the people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Chief Justice 06. And that's on the Twitter sphere. And just come hang out in the Chiefs Prop Shop Discord. And I'm in there most of the day. At the J. Carlucci, look me up. We got to get out of here. We'll be back next week. For the Chief, I'm the Looch. Have a good week, everybody, and good luck. <laughs>